Well, this morning, um, I just have the privilege and opportunity to uh, introduce you one of my friends um, that's been part of Reload here for a lot of years. Pastor John Smith has spoken here before, and the Lord has given him a message this morning to deliver to all of us here this morning. And uh, please welcome Pastor John as he comes to share God's word with us this morning. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Well, good morning. Great to see you all this morning, and it's an honor to be here and to share a few things. For 23 years, I served as a pastor of one church and preached almost every Sunday, and I don't remember ever preaching on this verse of Scripture. The Holy Spirit said, today's the day. Hebrews 13, verse 3. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. That's only a half a verse of Scripture. Very powerful. And in my lifetime, often not applied at all. Sixteen years ago, on March 14th, 2007, I received a phone call from a medical doctor in Indianapolis that God used to change my life. His name was Dr. Stan Kardatsky. And he was calling me to tell me about his friend. His friend who had been a pastor for Many, many years, about 27 years, and now is in prison. And he said, I'm down in Indianapolis. He's in prison in Michigan. I know you lead a ministry called Pastor Care, and I'd like you to consider doing three things with my friend. He said, first, will you be willing to become his friend? Second, will you be willing to write letters on his behalf to the parole board to help get him released? And third, will you be willing to make all the arrangements and provide his aftercare once he gets released? Before I give you the answer that I gave to the question, I should give you the background that he briefly gave me. His name is Warren Sears, five years in prison, Incestuous touching of his daughters, not a predator, raised rigid Baptist, no intimacy with wife, up for parole, offered two options to help with housing, job, emotional, spiritual, and psychological counseling. Will you become his friend? Will you write letters to the parole board on his behalf to get him released? And will you arrange for all of his aftercare once he is? And my response was, Yes. The Holy Spirit has a way in my life of putting me in situations where I have no idea what I'm doing, no experience or background or training, and he just asks me these questions, and then he prompts me to immediately say yes, having no clue what I'm getting into. Well, it's been a 16-year journey with Warren. And I can honestly tell you 
that God used him to change my life and transform my heart with a heart of care and compassion for those who are in jail or prison or those who are returning and try to re-enter into society. I started corresponding by letters. We became friends, wrote letters to the parole board, denied again. More letters, next year another letter, denied again. More letters, next year a letter again. And this time there was a change. I actually went in person to the prison and met with the parole board face to face. Never done that before. No training, no background, no experience of what they're going to ask, what do you do, how do you respond. I just went in and they asked me a ton of questions and I only remember one. And the question was, you say you've become his friend for the last three years. You've been writing us letters asking us to release him. And you've promised to arrange for all of his aftercare. So here's our question. When we release him, if we release him, will you trust him with your kids and your grandkids? And my immediate answer was yes. Years later, over breakfast with Warren, he says, you know, I was there that day also. And he said, when they asked you that question and you said yes, what went through my mind is, oh, no, I'm never getting out of here. <laughs> Wrong answer. And just a few months ago, I was meeting with a pastor friend of mine who pastors the church in Lansing, and I was telling him the story. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, I worked for the Department of Corrections for the state of Michigan for years. I wrote tons of reports for the parole board and other things. This is what was going on. They're saying, okay, you say you became his friend. You want us to release him. You've arranged for his aftercare. If you don't trust him, why should we? So if I had said maybe, I'm not sure, no, they wouldn't have released him. Because I said yes, they did. So they decided to release him to Pontiac, Michigan. He didn't know a single person in Pontiac. Neither did I. It kind of makes me think that maybe our system is set up for people to fail and go back in. Not sure, but kind of seems that way to me sometimes. So now I'm on a new journey. How do you get somebody who's released to Pontiac transferred to Grand Rapids? So once again, I'm down at the parole board or parole office, a meeting with the parole officer says, okay, how does the system work? How do we do this? So they give me all the things you have to do. So I write this proposal, send it to them. You know, I'm going to help him get a job. I'm paying for his housing, get him into a church, providing counseling. Denied. So I write a few more things, write another one. Second one denied. Third one denied. Now, I don't remember if I went back in person, made a phone call, sent an email or something. But I just said, you just need to understand I never quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep asking for this until you say yes, and the fourth time they did. So I drove to Pontiac, picked him up, brought him back, got him into a ministry local here called Alpha Prison Ministries. Leon Alderman leads that, and they provide housing for people coming out of prison, and their specialty is people with criminal sexual conduct, because there's a lot of extra rules how close they can be to a school or a church or all these kinds of things. So anyway, Warren ends up there, <coughs> and it was amazing. Let me read 
something that Warren wrote January 1st, 2022. He got out, I think it was August or October of 2010. So at this point, he's been out 12 years <coughs> when he's writing this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's how he starts, 1 Timothy 1.15. Second born of four sons and one daughter to a Baptist preacher, pastor, evangelist, songwriter, and godly example. I truly am a chief of sinners saved by the grace of God. That may seem like a contradiction to be born into such a spiritual heritage and yet to be identified, to be able to identify as a chief of sinners. However, as Galatians 5.16 says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I too served God in full-time ministry for 27 years, from age 18 to age 45, but then was sentenced to prison for two to 15 years because of sin that entered my heart and grew into a terrible crime, for which I served eight years and two weeks. How was that ever possible? Failure to walk in the Spirit. The biblical teachings on the Holy Spirit that I grew up on taught that we had all the Holy Spirit that we could ever get when we accepted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. What was lacking is the other side of the coin, the Holy Spirit having all my heart. I had secret closets in my heart that I kept closed, even from my own acknowledgement. Therefore, I lived with a mask that allowed me to be counterfeit on the outside as I served God publicly, but not walking in his Holy Spirit from the inside out. There is nothing to compare to the purging fire of prison. I would not wish it on anyone. Yet, I do not regret the Lord allowing me to go through that fire. It was through the awful torment and fear of how much time I would be locked up that I learned to truly fast and pray, memorize his word, study and journal his word, and to take my first steps of walking in his spirit. I do not regret the opportunities that he gave me to witness his leading in me in witnessing of his saving power and even his divine, miraculous healing power in a man who had a surgical mishap on his back and had been unable to walk for over two years. He was confined to a wheelchair, and it was obvious for all to see that he could not walk because his one leg was withered and the ankle bent out at a 90-degree angle. God allowed me to have my hand on his leg as an outside volunteer. A group of inmates and myself prayed for this man's healing. I felt the heat come into that withered leg as it filled back up to normal and his ankle straightened out. I watched as we lifted him to his feet and walked him around the gym where we were worshiping and praising God. Within 30 minutes, he was totally walking on his own. A correctional officer came in and told him that he needed to get back in his chair. 
But he told the officer, I don't need that chair anymore. I'm healed. And he truly was. Also during the purging fires of prison, I learned to have much more intimate times with my Lord. I read our daily bread and streams in the desert devotionals daily. These were appetizers before digging into the scriptures and used these devotionals and journaling the insights that the Holy Spirit was using to minister his healing in my heart. After several years of doing this each day, the Lord spoke to me about doing a book of devotionals that could one day bless other prisoners. I had visions and dreams about one day sharing any or my music and message with prisoners. I even had confirmation from the librarian and assistant chaplain who said, Sears, I can see you one day coming back into the prison system and ministering as a volunteer in chapel services. I dreamed of writing for our Daily Bread Ministries, but just pondered in awe as to how that could ever be possible. I wrote devotionals for January 1st to November 15th, this was in 2016, or 2006, leaving the last part undone with the hopes of having a good ending to show God's fulfillment of the vision. I thought that would be the best way to give prisoners hope for a future once they were paroled or released from prison. Ten years have passed since I was paroled, and that vision has yet to be fulfilled. My trumpet has gathered much dust. I'm aging, and yet, with God, all things are possible. Just as I was feeling that God was through with me, that I was no longer of use in any type of ministry, and was crying before the Lord with, why? And of what use am I? That I came back into contact with Dr. John Smith, who I'd known from Pastor Care West Michigan. He told me that he now works for our Daily Bread Ministries. Coincidence? Not a chance. I've hardly been able to sleep as the Lord has reawakened the vision in my heart to finish the mission that he gave me to finish my devotional book and to seek a way to get back into Michigan prisons and minister the wonderful message and hope for prisoners that can be found in Christ Jesus, our wonderful Lord and Savior. Friends, I'm going to let you see something. Somebody says, you always have props when you speak and they go yeah I do they're just a little bit smaller and contained today but I'm going to show you the only copy in the world that was written on a typewriter in the chaplain's office 318 days in a row January 1st to November 15th 2006 can you verify that it looks like that was written on a typewriter Absolutely. So, if I might do something, I've never seen this done before, but the Spirit gave me the idea, so I'm going to do it. If you are willing to be authentic, I would just invite so that we can honor every man here today who has spent even one day in jail or prison. Would you stand so we could honor you?
I want to thank you for doing your time. And I believe that while you were doing your time, God was doing his work in you, refining you and making you into the men you are today. And we're blessed and our lives are better because you're our brothers. Now, if you've done something any time in your life where you could have been or should have been sent to jail or prison, would you stand and be with these brothers? That's basically the difference of those who are in or out. Some got caught, some didn't. Some had a rich father, some didn't. Some had a good lawyer, others didn't. But we're all brothers. Thank you. You may be seated. Is there someone here today who has a very special date in your life that you would like to hear what Warren wrote in 2006 on a typewriter in the ch prison chaplain's office? Anybody here have a date you'd like to hear what he wrote? December 7th. It's got to be between January 1st and November 15th. Sorry. <laughs> yes. August 8th. Yes, it's very special, and it's in the process of being written. So in another couple of weeks, I'll probably be able to read that for you. Okay, August 8th, read Isaiah 41, 1 to 13. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Prison is extremely hard on relationships and families, which I do not think any inmate would argue that point. Many homes are torn apart by the shame of prison, the crime, the hardships, and many other factors. The statistics are quite high for marriages to end up in divorce for those who come to prison and do any amount of time. And that's Warren's story. This was a very real fear which consumed me for the better part of three years of the beginning of my bit. Part of my spiritual growth was to learn that I do not need to worry about what I think is right or wrong or about losing my wife and children, but to simply give it all over to the Lord. For he said, do not fear, for I am with you. I learned to focus on my own walk with him and to leave the results of the changes that I'm going through to him. At first I cried out to the Lord, Lord, I know that it is not your will for my home to be destroyed by divorce or even by separation. It sent me deep into the word of God to find every promise every command, every exhortation that I could find on the family, the wife, marriage, and love. I could not find all the concrete promises that I had hoped to find. But I did find that God promised to be with me and to strengthen me 
and help me through this difficult situation. Even though my sin has produced consequences that would seem to be my ruin, his promises are true. And he uses all things for my good. I need not fear about anyone or anything, but turn it all over to him who is able to resurrect the dead or bring everything new into my life. God is able to do the impossible. Restore relationships and heal all wounds of the heart. I am resting in his promise, so do not fear, for I am with you. Focus on your walk with him, and he will bring the rest to pass. And then he writes an original poem. Does that every day. I am resting in his promise. I am resting in his promise. Do not fear, for I am with you. Words like this are like his kiss. Filled with love to see me through. Nothing can harm me. With God I can't miss. I rest in his promise because it is true. I think we have time for one more. Does somebody else have a special date? October 1st, thank you. Okay. October 1st, read Psalm 42. Why do I go mourning? Dear prisoner in Christ, do you ever ask yourself, why am I down? Or why am I discouraged? Well, the psalmist did. He thought he'd forgotten. He had to remind himself that he was not alone. I had one of those lights had one of those nights just last night. I slept fitfully all night long. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 10. Voices come from within my imagination, talked with me all night long, accusing, condemning, judging, and comforting those who've hurt me. Even though these issues are 10 years in the past, the devil continues to dredge them up. Even in my sleep, I long to resolve these troubling issues of my heart. I am sorry for the pain I've caused others. And I long to forgive those who have hurt me deeply. Yet this is one attack that the devil uses to break my bones over and over again. We must do the same as the psalmist did. Instead of trying to ignore these voices or suppress the feelings that surface or resurface, we must ask ourselves the hard questions so we can counterattack with God's truth. It is then that we are able to say, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. One of my favorite gospel songs is, His eye is on the sparrow. Which starts with, why should I feel discouraged? 
Why should this teardrop start? And then the song concludes with the message, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Isn't it comforting and encouraging to know that our Heavenly Father has his eye on us? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye, Psalm 32, 8. And that we are more valuable to him than anything else he created. Why should I be discouraged? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Psalm 42, verse 5 and 11, and Psalm 43, 5. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34, 3. And then his poem entitled Hope. My heart gained hope as I gave thought to my great God above. For with his son, sin's debt he bought and showed us his great love. One of the things as I spent a lot of time with this devotional that I didn't notice right away, but I came to see later is nowhere in this entire book does his name appear. He's one of the most humble people I know. He doesn't want recognition. He doesn't want fame from it. He just wants to get it into jails and prisons to help people because he remembers what it was like to be there. And he titles it, Do in Time, Daily Devotions for the Inmate, 2006, and then a verse from Scripture, Genesis 27, 28. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven. Fascinating context for that verse. Remember the Bible story of Jacob and Esau? And how Jacob tricks his brother? Out of his birthright? That's one of the concluding verses of the blessing of Isaac upon Jacob. A lying, deceiving, conniving, manipulating person, and that's the blessing that he gets from his father. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven. I'm on a mission to get this book published, printed, and into prisons. I had the chance in the last two minutes to test it. On November 16th, Cook County Jail, Chicago, Building 11, maximum security, 15 men, all in there for some relationship to, uh, to murder, been there a long time, and I did with them what I've done with you. I asked them for a date. I had them open their Bible, read the scripture. Then I read what Warren wrote. And there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And they said, and, and these guys, the first group of 11 and then a group of four, were all Bible scholars. Uh, they, they were students of the scripture, reading devotionals every day, studying the word. But they said they had never heard anything this profound before and said, you need to get that published. We want a copy. And I said, I'll do everything in my power to do so. The second group of guys, um, I don't know if any of them were Christians, 
but they were equally moved. And all of their names are right here in my prayer journal. I'm praying for those 15 men, and I told them, you guys are part of the solution here. You gave me the honor and the privilege of spending three hours with you reading this. And so I'm on a mission to get this printed, published, and in the hands of every inmate in America. And there's no major Christian publisher that will publish it. I know that because I tried with one, and that I have a friend whose crime was much less. This is the worst of the worst, inside prison and outside prison. They all validated that. Oh, yeah, that's the worst of the worst. But the one guy says, standing up, he said, but when I hear how God has transformed his heart and how he's speaking God's word and his truth into my life, if there's hope for him, then there's hope for me. That's the message, and I don't know exactly how to do it, I got a friend who wrote an amazing book, sent it to six major Christian publishers. They all loved it, absolutely loved it. None of them dare publish it. So he's self-publishing it. It just came out on January 10th, and the February Pastor Care newsletter is going to feature his story to help get the word out. So I just share with you, that's the vision God's given me. Pray for me that he'll show us a way to do it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for driving me to that verse of Scripture that I'd never preached on before because I need to. But way more important than speaking on it is living it out personally myself. And so I promise to do everything I can to live it out every day for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.